Welcome to Her Legal Global. I'm your host, Faye Gelb. Our podcast is dedicated to providing you with actionable skills to empower your legal career. And today we're welcoming Beth Granger. Beth is a trainer, consultant, speaker, moderator, MC, and certified virtual speaker. She loves helping people who are not comfortable with technology, so it's safe to assume that's a lot of our audience, lawyers that we are. And she loves to help people embrace that power. She works with organizations and individuals who want to grow their business, fill their sales pipeline, and build their professional brand, all using LinkedIn. She helps produce and facilitate interactive online networking events. She's a host on LinkedIn Local, a series of events designed to let people know and meet the people behind the profiles. Every week she's hosting on LinkedIn Live a talk to introduce interesting people to her broader network. So I just want to welcome you very much to the show. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about networking on LinkedIn. We're basically starting from scratch. So what is it? Where would we start if we didn't know much about LinkedIn and we wanted to get ourselves into a good position to be able to network effectively? Well, to me, there are three components. There's your profile, There's and connected to that is your business page, if it's your own business. And then there's the behavior, the actual networking behavior, the finding, connecting, prospecting, communicating with people. And then third part is using content. And they all work together to keep you in front of your network, but the probably the most important one for people who are really trying to combine it with other networking that they're doing is that second part, the how do you find the people, connect with people, and keep in touch with people on LinkedIn. So just tell me a little bit more about how we would start. Well, assuming you have a good profile, that's of course the first place to start because what's going to happen is you're going to reach out to people and the first thing they're going to do is check you out. And, you know, if you don't have a photo, for instance, nobody's going to want to connect with you. That's definitely true. It stops me. Yeah. And actually, I just recently was looking at sometimes people think their photo is showing, but it's not. And it's a setting they should make sure is set to everyone on the platform. Yeah. Good to know. But yeah. So obviously, you have to have a really good profile that shows that you're the expert that you are. Then the next thing is to connect with all the people that you already know in in real life, as we say. And it doesn't have to just be people you know because of work. It can be your next door neighbor, your friend, your cousin, because it's all about that community. And I, I like to say it doesn't matter what you do. It matters who you know. So okay. having these connections, you, you don't know what they may do or who they may know and their extended network. So every connection is valuable. Okay, so now that we've started, we've got an idea of who we're going to begin to connect with. Should we keep a list of this? How should we go about this? I find personally that, you know, I'm up to 3,000 plus connections and it's a lot to manage. What do you advise? It is a lot to manage. There are a couple things. I'll talk about a way to manage it, but first there's a whole philosophy that you have to make a conscious decision who will you connect with? So obviously, if you're going out and asking somebody to connect, that's a con- conscious decision. Right. But you have to decide what your philosophy is for incoming connection requests. So you get all these requests, and some people will connect with people they don't know. Some people will not. And it's not that there's a right or a wrong, but you should. it should be a conscious decision. Because if you connect with somebody you don't know, how are you going to get to know them? And how do you keep that 
a valuable or strong connect. Anyway, back to, to a way you can manage your connections. You can actually download a spreadsheet of all your connections, and it includes first name, last name, company, title, and the date you connected. Which is useful. Very useful. And, you know, you can sort it. You can add columns. Some people will, it's a lot of work, but some people will also put that information into their, if they have a customer relationship management CRM tool. Like HubSpot. Um, exactly. Or, and some of, the, some of the tools, or actually only two of the tools, will connect with LinkedIn, but you have to have one of the paid versions for that. So for most people, they can add people manually to their CRM or up, upload the spreadsheet. Some people, though, will just use that spreadsheet. Right. I, I imagine for what we're talking about in our community that that would probably work for most of us. So once we've got it into our spreadsheet, then we can begin to do what with it? Well, you can sort it in different ways. You can, depends what you're trying to accomplish. So for instance, a lot of lawyers get referrals from other lawyers. So right. perhaps you're going to put a column, add a column for people who are lawyers in your network because then you can look at all of those people and make sure that you're engaging with them regularly as opposed to somebody that's not potentially a refer for you. Why is it important that we do this? Well, it's important to have a strong network and to be able to, you know, a an introduction that you get is so much stronger than a cold call or a random reach out. So what will happen is as you strengthen relationships with other people, you're going to refer them, they're going to refer you. The, the relationship gets stronger and stronger. And if you track it, you know, you can look and say, oh, wow, this person's given me a bunch of referrals. I haven't talked to them in three months. I should reach out. Great. What do you think often gets in the way of people doing this? Oh, Netflix. No. So, <laughs> I, I mean, we're all very busy, right? Everyone's right. incredibly busy and making the time for it. In some cases with LinkedIn, it's that people aren't comfortable with it or don't know how to navigate and they're a little apprehensive, perhaps. Uh, now is actually the perfect time to be reaching out to your connections, just checking in. How are you doing? What's going on with you? Why do you say time? that? Well, because people are, um, most people, anywhere they are, are working from home. They're not necessarily in their office. I don't know if, right. if you can be back in offices where you are, but, um, and they're craving connection. So especially if somebody happens to live alone or Right? We used to be able to go out and meet in person, go out to lunch, have, have a drink, or go out to dinner, go to a golf outing, or go to a nonprofit event. And I think people are creating that connection. So they're more open to just catch up conversations. I just want to go back to one point you were making um, before, and that was about accepting connection requests from people you don't know. And my thoughts on that are, if you can establish some legitimacy of the person that's making that request that they are a valuable connection and it's worth it to you to try and make that connection rather than just dismissing them out of hand. If they're in the ballpark, if they have, you know, there's some type of related industry or they have connection requests in common with you or they've sent you a, a note that shows that they're reading your content, all of these are great signs, I think, and it's worth it to continue on with that relationship. Your thoughts? Well, yes, potentially that is exactly the case. And there's something that people don't always know they can do. So it's obvious when someone sends you a request with a message that you can write back first before deciding to sort of vet them a little bit or have a start a conversation. Even if they don't 
you can write back before deciding whether to connect. And you do that by clicking on the top right of the area where the connection requests come in, where it'll say something like see all and it'll give a number. Right. It may just say see all. If you click there under each person that sent you a request, you'll be able to reply to them first. So I like to do that. If it's someone I don't know, I might say, hey, notice you, you know, curious how you found me and what made you interested in connecting. Right. I, I like to really know my connections so that I have a strong network. And that's led to some great um, conversations and, and really great relationships. So, Okay, great. Now that we're going to do this connecting and communicating, let's talk about developing that skill. What do we do? Well, the first thing you want to understand is who is your ideal networking partner? Right. Is it your, depending on what area you practice in, you might not be connecting with your ultimate client. You may be connecting with people that can refer you to your ultimate client. Or you might and be connecting with both clients and referral. It really depends on what area you're in. For instance, if you're in real estate law, yes, you're going to be connecting with both. If you're a matrimonial attorney, nobody's posting on LinkedIn, hey, I'm looking for, <laughs> I'm getting divorced. Yes. So the thing is to know who you're looking to engage with. And there's also real power in the network you already have. I think people don't always realize that. They think they keep having to connect with more and more people. But if you strengthen the relationship with the people you already know, right? you, you know, you could get 80% of your referrals from 20% of the people and you might already know them. That's a fantastic point. I wouldn't have thought that. So can you tell me a bit more about that? So to me, it's a little bit as you get to know somebody and that trust and understanding of what you each do builds up, you're going to be more likely to refer each other and you'll teach each other what to listen for. In so what way? An example would be, so it, it's not an example for law, but I think people will understand the picture. In, in a networking group that I was in, there was a financial planner and he always talked about that in life transitions, that's when he wanted to speak with somebody. So marriage, divorce, death, having a baby, right? So big times of transition. So I was at a friend's house. She had recently gotten divorced, was at, at her new house and she was having a bunch of people over to celebrate her newfound freedom. And she said something like, the weird thing is I've never managed the money. Ding, 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 the bell goes off in my head. So I made that introduction and she became a client of that person. Wonderful. So tell me a bit more about how we can find our ideal client. So we are using our own network. What else can we do? Well, LinkedIn has a search. So if you know, for instance, that your ideal referrer or client is, you know, a job, give me an example of a job title that might be a good fit for somebody, you search for that job title. And then what happens is you can narrow it down based on geography or company, all, the, all different ways to narrow it down. And you'll end up with a list. So say like you get a list of 800 people that are potentially good either clients or referrers for you. LinkedIn's going to show you who your common connections are. So you don't have to reach out blindly, almost like a cold call, where you can look and say, oh, look, I already know Susan. Susan knows John. I can ask Susan to introduce me to John. I haven't had much success with that. So can you tell me more about how we do that in a way that's effective? You know, how do we ask people for that referral? I would say that the most successful requests are going to be from people that you, that already refer you or that you refer. So if it's a strong relationship, especially if it's another business owner, 
they're going to understand this idea of making introductions or if they network a lot um, in person or online. If it's somebody who maybe isn't as active in that way, you might need to acknowledge either. So you could say something like, you know, we don't know each other all that well, but I see that you know Susan. Would you be comfortable making an introduction? The worst that can happen is they say no, and then you introduce yourself. There are different levels of ways to connect. So someone might just say, oh, drop my name, right? That's not quite as strong as, oh, I'm happy to make an introduction. Right. And, but to me, that's always the first step. And if you find when you make that list of 800 people, you might find you have a super connector in your midst. You might notice that one person seems to be connected to a lot of people that you want to connect with. Well, then that's a sign for you. Wow, I should make my relationship with that person stronger. I should reach out and see how I can help them. Before you ask for the referral. Absolutely. What we're talking about here, networking is a long-term investment. It's not something that we should just decide to do the day that we actually need the referrals. We need to be building this ahead of time, right? Tell me a bit more about LinkedIn search, because I'll just tell you what I've discovered about it, which is that you only have so many searches they give you a month. How can we use that knowledge to the best effect? Well, to me, the key thing is to make it as specific as possible. In the beginning, you're going to experiment a little bit to see about the results that you get. Okay, can we take a real live example? Because I think that will be very illustrative of what we're really trying to do. So say I'm moving to a new jurisdiction in Canada. I'm moving to um, Toronto from London, and I now want to join some firms there. I've been practicing disability law, and I want to reach out and figure out where all the disability firms are and the people that are in those firms that are on LinkedIn. What would I do? How would I go about it? So search on LinkedIn is a little like being a detective. Sometimes you have to try different versions of words. I found that. As an, yeah. As an example, I just typed in disability law to see what I got. And then I'm going to click on all filters. All filters is your friend, people, because this is where you narrow it down. And then I'm going to pick first and second connections because the first connections I'm already connected to. Maybe I know people and didn't realize it. Maybe someone else moved a month before. And then second connections because those are the people that someone potentially could introduce me to. Then I'm going to narrow it down by location. So I'm going to put Toronto. And then there are other ways to narrow it down as well. You know, industry what language they speak, maybe what school they went to. But as an example, I'm just going to narrow it down by location. And I just did this experiment as we were speaking. And obviously, if your listeners did this, they would have more um, connections than I would because I'm down here in New York. But I have looked that up. And so I'm connected either first or second connections to 18 people who are involved in disability law in Toronto. And first and second connections? I did first and second connections. So you would first start with your first level because you would know them as long as you have some idea. So I check the messages to see what I've said to these people in the past because it's hard to track, you know, when Mm -hmm. you have so many. So at least that gives you a refresher of where you left off with them. And then Mm -hmm. you can take it from there to go to the next level, which is to send off a message. So can you give me some ideas about the messaging that we would be sending to people that we want to get this happening with? What is, everybody says, Nobody wants to be sold, but it's not very clear 
how you do it without not being pushy or not coming across as desperate. You want to come across as a professional reaching out. So what is some language we could use? Well, the example that you gave of moving to new area, a new area is yes. actually a great opportunity because you can say that. You can say, I'm new to Toronto. Toronto. And my network of disability lawyers happens to be in whatever the first place you said was. And, um, you know, I'm looking to to build a network and get to know people, find out if there are any groups I should belong to. Would you be open to connecting? Okay. The, the more authentic and real you can be, the better I, better reaction you'll get. And you're, you're trying to also build information at the same time. You're trying to collect information and, and incorporate that. So you're, even though you're not asking for the direct referral at this point, you are learning about different organizations, different places that you could connect with people. So you are basically picking their their mind for the information yep. that will help you establish your network. So you're setting that foundation. The other question I have is how many times do you think it takes for us to be interacting with somebody before we can begin to get more to the referral state? That's a great question. And there's no one answer, answer. for that. It's just like building a relationship of any type. I think if you can move the online conversation to a phone call or a Zoom call, right, then that's going to strengthen it even more. So that's and your next step. That's your goal. So absolutely. our first goal is to make sure that we're connecting with the person and it has some level of authenticity. So some deeper connection is better than a more removed connection. Then once we start, we don't start off with the request right away. We start off with a, basically an informational type of request. And at the same time, we could offer something. Is that true? Or where would we stick that into this process, if at all? When there's an offer, it again should be an authentic thing. For instance, maybe you're speaking somewhere and they might be interested. So you can say, oh, by the way, I'm speaking for the, do you have chambers of commerce in, in Toronto? Or yes. Up there? So, so, you know, I'm speaking about whatever topic at the chamber of commerce thought you might be interested. Here's a link. Okay. Um, if there's other information that you think would help them, you can send it too. there. You, you could have also to be, be strategic, though. You could also just set up something that you specifically have in place because you want these people to connect with you and you want them to come to an event. So you could specifically, you know, pick a topic that maybe you're an expert in in that area of law, arrange to have a webinar and then invite those people to it so that you immediately establish yourself as an expert and you're moving the process along. Yes, absolutely. And to me, if you're wondering how to act or what to say, always think about if this was in person, would I say that thing or do that thing? And so being online is no different. Exactly. Okay, so now we've done our search, we've done this referral request. How does it work if it's not a referral, but it's actually we're attempting to locate and, and obtain clients? What would be different about the process? Yeah, it's that's trickier, right? So uh, when you get an introduction from someone, it's a much stronger and someone's more likely to engage with you. Think about the request that you get. If, for instance, we've all had this happen, you get a connection request, you say yes, and the next thing you get is some kind of a pitch or sale. Actually, what people are even now, they're trying to sell you in the connection request. And I don't know about you, but that's, I'm disconnecting at that point, right? I, I just 
it's kind of like if you meet somebody and they try to sell you in that first conversation. I think what we need to talk about here, though, is the lawyers and the law students that reach out because they are not necessarily as in tune with the sales process and the networking process. And sometimes when they do that, they simply don't have the background or the foundation to know how to do this process in a more streamlined way or a, a more expected way. So I'm not so quick to disconnect with these people because I feel like they just haven't had the background to be able to do it in a way that might be more acceptable to, you know, people with a higher level of knowledge. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's a great insight, actually. And um, the, the key is really just to do what you would do in person. So for instance, a student can certainly reach out to somebody to say, would you be open for a 10 minute phone conversation so I can learn how you got to where you are? Right. I think people love to talk about themselves. So that's an excellent that point. People love to talk about themselves and it's, it's a very good way to get yourself connected with people that are going to be able to be potential mentors, you know, not just the referral. So you can do it in a number of different ways. Is Facebook another place that we could be looking for to do the same sort of process and reach out to people? I suppose you could, but I find Facebook, a lot of people keep their profiles more locked down because they use it for personal, not for business. Right. Uh, but you can, you know, you can Google and see any firm that's out there has a website and usually has all their people listed. And sometimes there's a link right to their LinkedIn profile on their bio. And offline, what would we do offline to locate potential prospects and referral partners? Here, there are tons of networking groups that they're now meeting virtually, but they used to meet in person and all different types. So some are based on geography, you know, a chamber of commerce or a town will have one. Business there related. Are, yeah. And then there are some that are based on industry. So for instance, there's a group that I spoke to here in New York City called Women-Owned Law. So it's all women-owned law firms that would meet regularly. And there, there are some organizations that are global, some that are national, some that are regional, and there are tons of them. So networking organizations offline are a great way to go about getting those referral partners and those potentially even clients, depending on what type of law you're practicing. Correct. And dealing with a person in person. Well, it really is very similar. It, and think about the same, if somebody was trying to get to know you, they would take their time. They would ask you, ask about you. They wouldn't make it all about them. So the same thing, ask about, have the person talk about their experience and their life and their work. And yeah. So these people, let's just go back to the example that we were talking about earlier with the disability and moving to Toronto. Who would we want to connect with as a referral partner there? What would you give as examples of people that we could potentially connect with to get us, you know, some potential clients? Oh, I would say other attorneys. Um, now, when you say disability, that's on the individual side or for the for a company? It's it's for individuals. So then it might be other trusted advisors for that person, maybe an account for a chiropractor or people that would know what's going on in someone's life and maybe 
might be asked. So tell me, how do we do that? I'm thinking, oh, maybe I should contact some medical professionals to let them know that this is the service I'm offering and to see whether or not I can get a referral network. Am I going to be building up that personal relationship first? What do yes. I do? Yes, always. I always. Mean, you have to, nobody's going to give you a referral if they don't know you, like you, and trust you. So right have to go through all that all those phases first and so it's not it is a long long game it but it's so much more powerful than you know trying to cold call if somebody just called you out of the blue and said hey refer will you refer me you're not going to refer them right okay so what do you think is the best way to use linkedin for somebody that is just starting out should they be trying to get more connections should they be working on the connections they have what is the best use of their time to like set this up and get get moving well they should start by making sure they're connected to people they know offline because not everybody is. And then they can be reconnecting with and engaging with people they're already connected to, to strengthen that relationship, finding out how they're doing, how can they help them? What are they up to lately? If they share content, they can be commenting on that content. What do you think is the most effective message that you've ever received in terms of somebody making a connection request? A really good question. So somebody that I don't know. Yes. Well, the best ones are when it's clear they've read my profile. I actually have a friend who will put something in her about section saying, if you want to connect with me, mention, and she'll put something in to see if they really read her profile. So for instance, if somebody references something that they read of mine, oh, I, I liked that. Oh, today, for instance, I went live on LinkedIn Live with um, a philanthropy expert. So if somebody said to me, oh, I, I listened to your LinkedIn Live today, I thought it was interesting that, you know, something he said, I'd love to learn more about it. Would you be open to connecting? So basically an authentic examination of your materials is one of the best selling ways to, to okay. connect with one. So what would you say is the expected results if we deal with this over a three month time period? We've been making the connection requests. We've, we first made the ones that we know. Then we start to reach out to people that we don't know. We've researched the industry. We've looked at it. We've now reached out. We've sent out these genuine messages. How many should we be doing a day, just by the way? I don't know if there, I can give a number, but it's good to do a certain amount each day. But the key thing is you're not just connecting and forgetting. So if you do too many, if you connect with 50 people and they all respond, or even half of them respond, then you want to take that dialogue further. Are you going to have time to do that? The person has to decide for themselves how much time they can commit. You want to at least put in some time. So by the end of three months, you would have increased your, what I'm getting at is within a three month time period, you should be able to have enough referral work and enough client work out of something like this if you're building it carefully and reaching out. I think it all depends on so many factors, the type of law you practice, how often it's needed, how strong the relationship you build are, because you could build a relationship with four people that bring you 80% of your work. work. Yeah. And so time-wise, it, it's hard to say. It's just, if you keep at it, it should happen. And especially building those relationships offline as well as online. Thank you very much for coming on today, Beth, and providing us with this tremendous amount of information and useful tips. Her Legal Global, empowering and transforming us through skills and shared wisdom. For other great episodes, follow us and be sure to check out herlegalglobal.com 
for a community, informative skills-based articles, and to work with me, your host, Faye Gelb.